Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. Today, all right, now this podcast is going to go down the rabbit hole a bit. I know I say that, but in this case, it is definitely true. And we're going to be dispelling the boogaloo myth. All right, now what do we mean? All right, well, unfortunately, um, the race-baiting media and all of the things that are going on, these politicians, all of these power-grabbing, you know, politicians and the media, just all all these people that that are trying to drive division they are looking for a boogeyman, and they are looking for any reason they can to discredit anyone who might even begin to think differently than they do. Uh, the cancel culture is in full swing, and a lot of the accusations that are floating around in regards to this boogaloo term are really unfounded and unfair and completely biased and are not even grounded in anything close to reality. So in today's podcast, I'd like to take a little bit of time to sort of dispel um, these rumors that that the media has started about it. And unfortunately, because of cancel culture being in full swing, um, there's actually been a lot of situations where, um, you know, even businesses have been shut down in certain cases or anything related to that word gets shoved into this dark corner as being some ridiculous thing, some hate group or some terrorist group or something like that. And it's completely unfounded and unwarranted, especially when we look at the fact you've got Antifa, which is a terrorist organization. Yes, it is. And you've got, you know, BLM, which, you know, people have their their questionable uh, assumptions about what that's about. And then you've got this Chaz and all these other groups that hate America. They're Marxists and... You know, just because the narrative doesn't support what they want to push, they want to put down and cancel anything that is it could even slightly be taken a different way uh, than what they want to push in terms of narrative. Right. And, you know, when you start getting into like Antifa, a terrorist organization, BLM, um, at least Marxist organization, um, at best um, – looting and writing. So um, when you look at the boogaloo, and I'm using air quotes, the quote-unquote boogaloo movement, as it's been so affectionately been named, um, it's just a ton of misinformation, and it really makes you wonder who's putting all this information out there. Where did, I mean, it's almost like it popped up overnight. Where did all this misinformation come from? It's being pushed by, uh, this narrative is being pushed by the media. And you are starting to see a lot of uh, of the cancel culture migrate to this, to, to canceling, trying to cancel what they would call a movement. Um, what I will tell you is that it is, in fact, just a bunch of individuals trying to show their individualism, which is why the Hawaiian shirt, uh, which has been the you know mainstay of this uh, particular conversation, uh, is so uh, heralded as this great piece of gear uh, because it, Hawaiian shirts are very well known for being very individualistic. There's so many different patterns out there that you really can drill down and be one of a kind you very rarely will see 
you know, more than the same Hawaiian pattern in a group of people. It's all different sizes and colors and shades and patterns and items. It's, it's really a cool way to be able to show your personal style and your personal individual freedoms through clothing. Um, when you start looking at it on a larger scale, there is no way that I would consider how you can consider this being a movement. There's no organization. There's no leader. There's, it's, it's a bunch of individuals that all have the same uh, mindset for the most part but most certainly aren't an organization. I would venture to say that if I had to define what that word means, what boogaloo means, okay, or to what people that use the meme lore, okay, because it really really is about meme lore and nothing more, okay. Um, If I had to describe what it is, like to define it, I would say that it is a group of people who care deeply about individual liberty, and care about freedom for all people, regardless of who they are, that are sick of the media's bullcrap, they're sick of the politicians' bullcrap, they want to be left alone, and they want to stand fast and really observe what's happening and be prepared for anything that might happen uh, and to be able to react to any negative situation. So the fact that you you see these Hawaiian shirts around and why in a million years someone would ever construe the facts to say, oh, well, someone wearing a Hawaiian shirt means you are a white supremacist. That is completely absurd. When we had the rally in Virginia, back before all this bull crap happened with COVID and all the things that were going on, uh, I was there and I interviewed tons of people. And even in my video, there was lots of people I interviewed that were wearing the Hawaiian shirts. But at that Rally, one thing that I feel I try my best to express very, very uh, concisely when we did our, our interview video, if you look back at all the interviews, I was interviewing people young, old, white, black, people from different you know backgrounds. Yeah, people from different political affiliations, gay, straight, doesn't matter, right? Everyone was there to show solidarity for their rights. The rights trump overall trump any other feeling you might have about the way things are going. Your rights are your rights, okay? And all I saw was a bunch of Americans there showing solidarity and wanting to show, uh, you know, that they weren't going to be pushed around. And yeah, there was, okay, we we affectionately call them boog boys or whatever, or the BLM guys or the, you know, whatever. But it wasn't like some magical admission that you have to have. Oh, well, you have to be given permission to do this or do that or be that person or be that person or you're within this organization. Here's your club car right, or whatever. Right. It's not like that. So I think that the Hawaiian shirt thing is almost a loud pronunciation. It's a, hey, here I am. Like, I mean, let's just say, okay, if you're going into a gunfight overseas in a war zone, you're not going to wear a Hawaiian T-shirt. Okay, you're not going to wear a Hawaiian shirt because the enemy will see you. So I think that what it speaks volumes to even more is, hey, look at me, here I am. I'm not afraid to be me and be an individual and to think as an individual. So, yeah, and I think there's a lighthearted aspect to it. You know what I mean? It All it is is just people having a lighthearted uh, dark humor. The, the meme lore is dark humor. And typically, most of the people that post boog memes are people that are former military, they're veterans, they're patriots, they love their country, 
Uh, most of them are probably middle of the line, conservative, maybe even like just kind of middle of the line libertarian in terms of the way they think. You know, they're not liberal, they're not progressive, they're not uh, conservative, they're not far right or far left. They're just average people that care about their country and are sick of the bullcrap and they want everyone to get along and be happy. And um, and that whole lore of the boogaloo thing. <laughs> it always uh, sounds weird even when you say it. I know. Right? It does sound weird to say it. But, but that whole lore uh, surrounds the uh, counterculture of special operators, uh, special operations during you know the early days. There were a lot of social outcasts that would right. get into contracting, special operations, and things like that. And these people were outcasts from society. They rebelled. You know, they wanted to rebel against the system. They didn't like the uniform system of shave your beard, wear your uniform. You got to do this. You got to march this way and look that way. They wanted to go over there and do their job and make a statement in the process. So, yeah, you had guys going into battle with booty shorts and Atlanta Braves baseball cap and, and a SpongeBob t-shirt. Yeah, flip-flops and all kinds of right. stuff. Right. So yeah. so that culture became a counterculture and that's all the boogaloo thing is is to represent a counterculture of people who are sick of the narrative, sick of people and their bullcrap and they just want to do their job, face forward and do their job and move on with their lives and I believe that the fact that that Cancel culture is rampantly and rapid, rapidly uh, running in and trying to assess itself against that so strongly tells you just how correct those people really are, right? The fact that it, I mean, Instagram, you can't even tag Boogaloo on That's Instagram. Right. They block That's the right. tag. Yeah. Oh, gosh forbid anybody explain like what it means to them. Oh, God forbid that you're. Uh, uh, your your point of view has any matter here, but if you if you tag Antifa or you use hashtag Antifa, they're readily available. So it, I just find it really really crazy that you know this social media and the media in general can control that narrative, even something such as minute as you know boogaloo. I mean, it's a word. It really it only has as much value as you give it. Uh, to touch back on, um, you know, how that whole Hawaiian shirt thing started, it was. It was operators out there. And from the very beginning, the, it's when you're in – and guys, if you if you have never served in the military or in the army, there's a way of protesting without actually uh, saying anything or doing anything physically or saying anything verbally. And it's almost like you're skirting the line of – getting an Article 15 under protest. Uh, and that's really kind of where this whole uh, thing came from is, you know, the hands in the pockets for Green Berets in the Army. In the Army, you're not allowed to put your hands in your pockets. The ultimate form of protest for them at the time was hands in the pockets. And what are you going to do? I'm, I'm a Green Beret. My level of training is up here. So, you know, that kind of was their thing was like, if you look at those old school pictures of, uh, you know, Green Berets, hands in the pockets. Um, that was their form of, of protest. Fast forward to, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq, you started slowly seeing these, like these forms of protest of, you know, hey, this sucks being over here. We're doing it under protest. If we're going to be here, we're going to be here on our terms. So you start seeing baseball hats and you start seeing all kinds of like stuff that you normally wouldn't see as your standard uniform. 
And now you start seeing these pictures of, you know, operators in it. They're out there in full kit, um, you know, pants, Solomon boots, uh, full rack, and underneath, Hawaiian shirts. So they're going on these raids, snatching these guys wearing Hawaiian shirts. And it's just another form of individualism, uh, another form of protest saying, hey, this sucks, but we're going to make it fun. At least if we're here, we're going we're gonna to do it our way. And that kind of translates to uh, where we're at right now. We're saying, hey, we're, we're going to, there's an issue with the government and the way things are run. And that's kind of like how it seeped into, yeah. into, into the civilian world. But that the 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 crux of that though is that okay while while we may um acknowledge that there's an issue we may not be happy with the way things are going or whatever uh it doesn't mean that it comes from a basis of white su- uh, supremacy Absolutely like they claim not. it to be yeah that's, that's crazy. completely absurd yeah. i mean there were there were black men and women out there with hawaiian shirts too yeah okay Absolutely. it wasn't just a white or black thing i mean and the fact that the media and the social media outlets and everything would would just directly play into the hand of that argument without any form of verification or or trying to find the facts. It just goes to show you how blatantly disrespectful they are to other people's viewpoints other than their own. And biased. And it, and it shows you that there's extreme bias uh, in what they are doing as social media outlets and what the mainstream media is trying to paint a, a very nasty picture with a very broad brush and with some very disgusting colors. And and that is sad that we live in a country where, you know, you would think that the media would be at least fair and concise and try to report things as they really are and just let the individual determine, okay, well, based on these facts, right, they report the facts objectively and, and just, you know, try to be fair. All right, and based on these facts, this is how I feel about subject A or subject B, right? People aren't dumb. They're going to be led to their own devices and they're going to make up their hearts and minds as they need to. But the media has come up with a really terrible reputation for trying to plant a narrative in your mind instead of allowing you to be an individual and express yourself and think as a person and to develop and employ critical thinking skills uh, that make you truly a, I guess you would just say a free thinking type of person. And I think that, you know, these guys out here in Hawaiian shirts and these people out here wearing, you know, cargo shorts on the range and, you know, just it, it is a counterculture movement, but it, it it's more than just counterculture. It is, you know, hey, quit screwing with us, quit treating us like second rate people. And it's just crazy how the media has painted this really terrible picture so broadly and so um, unmerited. It's just there's no point for that. I find it They just, want to create division. They do, and I find it so amusing that they take something so simple as what you're wearing and twist it into assigning you to a group based on what you're wearing. Can you imagine if they did that with anything else? If they said, oh, this guy's wearing... Um, this particular color, he belongs to this group. That's essentially what you're doing. You're saying, I, I, just because I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt that I'm a white supremacist, I'm half Korean. You can't put me in that category. That's ridiculous. But that that's what the media is doing. And I they're trying to control the narrative and they're trying to hijack it. However, I will tell you, 
you don't see anybody in Hawaiian shirts looting. You don't see anybody in Hawaiian shirts rioting. You don't see anybody in Hawaiian shirts flipping cars or throwing bricks. You just don't see it because it doesn't happen. So somehow this group of people, individuals, that is somehow a terrorist organization slash white supremacist has done no violence, no damage, done nothing, yet is catching the ire of the media. It it blows me away. And then you have groups that are actively uh, fighting the police, throwing bricks, causing violence, shooting 60-year-old guys while they're trying to just drive down the street, attacking people with skateboards and getting shot. Yeah, and I'm sure that if the media could Photoshop a a freaking Hawaiian shirt on one of those people committing those atrocities, that they would. Yeah, But for the life of them, for the life of them and any amount of facts and logic that is placed on a silver platter in front of you for the world to see, in a million years, they can't just will it into existence. They have to create a boogeyman out of nothing. And that's what all this is about, is they want to create a boogeyman. They want to create division. This isn't about bringing our country together. This isn't about this person's oppressed, that person's oppressed. This is about creating a narrative that drives division, which in some way, shape, or form drives a seat of power or influence or power brokering to a certain politician or a certain political group or... Uh, allows literally like the media is just an arm of the politicians now they're all bought off they're all you know pumping a narrative that they know dang well isn't true they're slandering those people just like that journalist in hawaii that wrote that article about me and included my video at the top of his article as oh uh these guys blah 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 white supremacists does anybody in a million years, okay, that uh, I've been on YouTube for over 13 years, and I've made numerous, hundreds of videos where I discuss the way I feel about the world and my political views and my views in terms of just how I look at liberty and how precious that, that's, that altar of liberty is to protect. In a million years, would anybody think that me, of all people, am, uh, that I'm that person? I mean... How out of touch could these people be? The point is, they're not looking at facts. They're ignoring the facts, and they're driving a narrative that's based on slander. Like, that that, that journalist in, in Hawaii slandered me. Absolutely, they did. Line. Well, no, I read that article, and I, I, could, I was like, is this real? I don't understand. This does not compute. Uh, and that's coming from someone that's known you a very, very long time. However, they do have... Um, they have the ability to put out misinformation. They have the ability to blast it out there and there's no repercussions for that. Yes, you could go after them, but uh, essentially it's it's an expenditure of time and money that doesn't really warrant the result just because there is nothing, uh, I guess, outside of financially that you would benefit from. What I will say is that I don't understand how one group of essentially not even a real group can be classified as, say, a white supremacist or terrorist organization and not have any other group classified the same way. So much so that, say, let's just use Antifa as an example. 
they're actively breaking up in in multiple uh, videos. You'll see them actively breaking up, you know, concrete, throwing it at police. Yet you're still able to use their hashtags on uh, Instagram, and uh, you're still able to post stuff to YouTube with no repercussions. But the moment that you hashtag Boogaloo or Big Igloo or Big Luau, automatically you either get flagged, your video gets taken down, or you can't even find the posts in general. Yeah, you're painted with this broad uh, brushstroke, okay? The the blatant, you know, social media, you know, censorship has just been crazy, you know? And, And they obviously are skewing towards, you know, those groups of people. Like, of course, they're trying to drive and push a narrative, you know, the fact that they put these people down and shadow ban these people and, you know, oh, you're not invited to the table. You get no argument. We decide what that argument is. We get to decide who the boogeyman is. We get to say who you are. You don't get to fend for yourself. It would be, could you imagine a social media platform banning BLM or banning Antifa, right, and saying, and then the mainstream media saying, oh, Antifa is a terrorist organization, uh, but, oh, if you go on social media and search for them, not only are we going to put you on some bullshit list, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to ban, outright ban that hashtag or ban that metadata. Right. So that those people that are trying to speak out about what they're really about or what, what their ideas are, oh, you don't get a place at that table. You get no say. We get to say what your say is. That's the issue. They're putting words in our mouth, and they're spreading it amongst the media as gospel, okay, when that's not the case. And the fact is, is these people that are, you know, sharing boog beams, it's all in jest. It's meant to be uh, for a laugh. You know what I mean? It's it's just meant to be for a little chuckle. It's it's dark, cruel humor. It's military humor is what it this really is. is. And if people don't understand military humor, military humor is dark. <laughs> it's extremely dark. <laughs> When you when you get into like Eric said, when you start getting into what it is, it's you have a whole bunch of guys throwing memes around on Instagram and Facebook, and you know what? I find it extremely funny. Then again, uh, both of us were in the military, and we get that dark humor, and we completely understand it. And then you have some that don't understand. They, you know, one maybe they just don't. Maybe it doesn't. The dark humor doesn't sit right with them, or they just don't find it funny. That's okay, but you shouldn't be shadow banned for that. You shouldn't be demonetized for that because it's your choice uh, whether you, as a consumer, whether or not you consume that content. What I will say is that if you just start looking at it at a very high level uh, protest wise, you know, Second Amendment protests anywhere you go uh, before the whole uh, COVID-19 lockdowns and uh, travel restrictions and whatnot there and this is very convenient that that happened this way there were rallies at public state houses scheduled almost every other week so it was very common for you to see every week oh uh so this state is having a a two-way rally at their at their capitol building you know be there and then a week later the following week there'd be another state and yeah, right when people were starting to get organized. Yes, right when they were starting they to get organized. had to throw a wrench in the plans. Yep. But I will tell you there is, one, never any violence. Those places are cleaner than they were when they arrived. It's amazing. You can put that many 
people in Hawaiian shirts and that many people of all races and all ethnicities. Because I know for a fact when Eric went to any of these places to cover to give rally coverage and he was interviewing people it was people of all nationalities you had vietnamese guys out there you had uh, spanish uh, latino asians uh, white black everybody um and you had them all wearing different types of shirts some hawaiians some the only t-shirts. thing freaking missing was a hot dog stand and some clowns giving out balloons to the kids. It was like a family event. Right. Because we are a family, because our country is a family, and these people recognize that we are a family, you know, and that's what is so disastrous that about the them. way they're labeling people like yeah. that. You know, oh, well, let's create some false narrative and let's just shove a narrative down people's throats instead of telling them, you know, the real people behind uh, these boogaloo memes oh let's just say that they're white supremacists and then all of a sudden everybody will hate them because that that's the new like buzzword now right is white supremacy oh that person's a white supremacist if you disagree with the narrative you're a white supremacist if they hate you and they want to discredit you you're a white supremacist it's like that's the blanket term you well, know what that, I mean? That quickly <laughs> became the the left's way to win an argument. So if you if you're arguing with somebody, you're having a debate. It's very common for them to throw out you know racist, bigot. Um, those terms for some reason automatically win a conversation. Like oh that's racist or you know that you're a bigot for thinking that way. And somehow that transpired to the media using that as part of their cancel culture. And for the longest time before that. If you were starting to climb the ranks in any type of organization and they wanted to deal with you and get you out of there, and this is very well known, they would just plant some evidence and that evidence would probably be in the form of, uh, you know, kids stuff on your computer. And then doesn't take much. Boom. He's like, oh, he's a pedo. He's out. Yeah. And no one one questions. Yeah. Nobody questions. It's like the stuff that happened with Ben Carson. Yeah. Okay. You know, Ben Carson had some great ideas. And, you know, I agree with a lot of Ben Carson's, uh, you know, overall ideology and the way he thinks, you know. And, of course, they tried to create this whole sex scandal about Ben, ben Carson. Right. To discredit him. And, all it, and they tried to do the same thing to Trump. Yep. Okay, what, what was the, what was that, Stormy Daniels or whatever, yeah. <laughs> that porn lady came out, oh, he, whatever. Look, you can't tell, uh, if somebody works in government, especially... <laughs> Anybody that works in government at some way, shape, or form has been involved in some backhanded crap somewhere down the dang line. Nobody's a freaking angel. But the thing is, nobody's expecting everybody to be an angel. We all have our little skeletons in our closet, things that, you know, might not be, might be slightly questionable on the realm of, you know what I mean, like (laughs) right right and wrong, right? But but that's what makes us human beings. We all make mistakes. We all do dumb things. We're all fallible. We we are all capable of doing bad things because sometimes a bad thing is an easy thing to do. Uh, it sometimes it's hard to say. All right, I want to do the just thing, the right thing. I want to take the right path. Sometimes taking the right path is a hard choice. And yeah, taking that darker path, that easier road, the the the, the dirtier path, may seem easier. Maybe the reward is more instant. Uh, maybe it's more gratifying. Maybe it's easier. It just requires less effort. Uh, so we're all guilty of being put in those situations as people. But I think we as a society, we're going to really have to get past the idea. We really need to stop listening to the damn media. Yeah, that agreed. is the issue. 
People need to be people. The media aren't people. The media are monsters. They are jerks, okay? And they are obviously being padded by somebody who doesn't love our country. That is the bull in the room, as I always say, that we don't want to confront. The media is the bull in the room right now. Everyone is so quick because we're so busy. We work so much. We're all busy people, right? Some people just turn on the news. All right, what's going on? Oh, oh my God, just give me the quick version. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And then they just go back to work. They don't think about actually doing the research to see if something's factual or not, or if these people are actually telling the truth. The media lies to people, and that is one of the most terrible things about where our society has gone in terms of the way people hold the media on this pedestal. We need to start ignoring the freaking media. And really, I will say that the media has come under so much flack just in the last year or two that there are a heck of a lot of people that are starting to really, really not only question what the media says, but call them out on their shit. Okay, it's happening on a regular basis. Okay, all I mean, we're talking. You look at all the conservative. Uh, let's just say, I guess what would we what would we call it? Um, what am I trying to get at? Personalities. Okay, like a social media personality okay. that happens to be conservative. Uh, you know, DC Drano. Um, what's his face? Uh, the younger guy. What's his name? Ben Shapiro. Like, Shapiro. I like Ben Shapiro, you yeah. know? You look at guys like Ben Shapiro. You look at guys like D.C. Drano there. Candace Owens. Uh, yeah, yeah, Candace Owens. Yep. I like her. She's cool. Uh, you know, j- there's so many names. I, I can't think of them all off the top of my head, but they're no, out there, right? No Cuomo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, and they're spreading these ideas. That, hey, you know, these people are full of crap. And then you see, like, a news report from a year ago that says, oh, blah, 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 celebrated and doing this and this and this and that. And then now it's like, oh, these people are the devil. They're white supremacists. It's like, make up your damn mind. Yeah. No, it, it, when you start looking at technology, it's almost like technology is keeping the media honest, which is crazy if you think about that. That's why there's so much censorship. Yeah. So you start looking at, and I'll use the uh, example of the uh, 60-year-old guy in the pickup truck Um you know, just trying to drive down the street, it they cut that film. It's crazy that they cut that film to make it look like he slammed into these protesters and, and he got shot. So in a nutshell, you're like, oh man, that guy, he was just, he shot him because he was plowing into protesters. And then somebody posted the full video and it shows a completely different story. The way that, and I, I don't know what the answer is because I, I get that uh, when Eric said we have to ignore the media, and I agree with that 100%, but I feel like the reason that they started doing this is because people are ignoring the media and they have to generate interest. So we're, it's like this self-fulfilling loop where they are going to just keep getting more and more radical with how they how they edit and how they provide this quote news information to the people because they're losing so many viewers there's right now there's no alternative normally it would you would say well just stop watching the media and use this particular source but i don't see any viable alternative source i mean everybody's doing it and it's just it puts it puts us as you know consumers in a very um peculiar 
position where there's nowhere for us to go as consumers to get honest, unbiased news coverage. I do think, though, that in time, because the people and because through the fact that you can't shut people up from talking because people are people and ultimately that's where the rubber meets the road, it is going to begin to hold the media much more accountable as more people call them out on their bias, as more people call them out on their bullshit, it's going to really wind up being one of those things where eventually the media is going to have to turn back around because um, other parts of the world have antitrust laws. And I know that there's been a huge push here in the United States for antitrust laws, which will hold a lot of these people a lot more accountable. And the reason being is because there's basically... You know, a difference between an open platform and a publisher. Right. Okay. So if you're a publisher, sure, you have editorial guys over what's going on. If you're going to publish something, well, the idea is, yeah, you read over it. You know, this article is going to have this wording. This is a public, a published article, and it's a, you know, you're a publisher. The problem is social media, the social media outlets, they try to say, oh, well, we're open platform. We're not a publisher. But when you, when you shadow ban that narrative... And then you push this narrative and give it extra algorithmic girth, right. okay, so to speak, which is clearly what's happening. Before, it was kind of like, you know, maybe they're doing that. Oh, could that really be the case? Maybe. Are they really doing that? No, they are doing that. We can totally see. You can't type Boogaloo. Oh, you're the devil if you say anything about Boogaloo. Oh, but if you're Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Chaz, any of these Marxists or other ass wipes, you're, you're completely okay to do that. In fact, we're going to give you the extra algorithmic girth to get right. where you need to go to you reach more people. So that bias is clear. So and by by default by censoring one person and pushing the other and giving them the extra girth they need to reach get their message out, they're acting more like a publisher than they are an open platform. If I say you know what it's the equivalent of? Tell me. You know what it's the equivalent of? It's the equivalent of back during the civil rights movement and having a whites only section. Okay, this you can true. come into my restaurant and eat, but you got to sit in the black only section. Well, wait a minute. I want to eat. I want to eat in the restaurant where the nice pavilion is and the water fountain and the, you know, I want to be where I where all the pretty waitresses are. You know, like I want to be where everyone else is because I want to be included in that group. Like if we're all eating in this restaurant, well then let's eat. Oh no, you got to sit in the back over there in the in the blacks only section. Well. Th- yeah, you're eating in the same restaurant, but you're really not in the same world. You're really right. not in the same restaurant. You're excluded from the conversation. You're excluded from the nice china. You're excluded. segregated. You're segregated. Yeah. So we're being segregated. That's exactly. That's like a reverse segregation. It is. It's uh, and essentially that's what's going on in media and social media. They're putting this scarlet letter on you. To where you almost are scared. I there's guys that are like, well, I can't wear my Hawaiian shirts anymore because you know, I, the people are going to think I'm a I'm a white supremacist. The guy's not even white, so how he like you literally canceled a guy that's not even white from wearing his own clothes. That's that's very interesting. Um, and guys, what I would encourage you to do is not be uh, not be scared to go out and do what you want to do. Don't let the media, don't let the government control and narrate you and your life. As Americans, do what you want to do. Don't be scared of uh, any type of media bias or media narrative. 
the chances are um, no one's even going to notice. I wear my Hawaiian shirts all the time. And people are like, that's a cool shirt. And I wear my Roof Korean shirt yeah. all the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, and maybe maybe it's because we live in this world, Eric, and maybe it's because we look at it at such a high level and we we digest so much uh, information that we put too much credence into what the the media has to say because i work you know at the shop i see people all the time and we have all types of customers come in the store and i'm wearing my ballistic ink shirts and my hawaiian shirts and not and no one has ever said anything they if anything they're like that's a really cool hawaiian shirt or that's a really cool shirt no problem so i was it, wearing my hand grenade shirt in public the yeah. other day and I can't, I, not a single person walked up to me and was like, oh, you're one of them people. Yeah. No, they were like, where can I buy that? That is that's great. Pro- that's the question so they always ask. Where, where can I get it? Where are all these horrible racist people that they're claiming are out there? Because I, I don't see them anywhere. It's just, you know what I mean? They're yep. lying. They're driving a narrative that they feel is going to benefit what they're trying to push in terms of their agenda. I believe it's called fear-mongering. They are fear-mongering. Yeah. And and my greatest fear, even beyond, okay, now there's the aspect of it where, let's say, we're concerned about how we are perceived. Okay, someone may go, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to wear that Hawaiian shirt now because someone will think I'm a racist. As bad as that might be, that's bad. All right, we're going to put this over here on the back burner. Now let's think, okay, now what about the people who know nothing about anything to do with what that means, right? All right, let's just say someone on the complete opposite end of the tracks, right, that might go, oh, my gosh, if I see someone with a Hawaiian shirt, it means that they're a white supremacist and they (laughs) hate me and they're going to shoot me and hang me or whatever the case may be, right? That's the danger. They want people to think, oh, if you're you're one of them Hawaiian shirt wearing guys, oh, if you're black, you better watch out. He's going to he's going to lynch you. No, 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 no. That's worse. That's way, way worse in terms of the perception. As bad as it is that we think that someone thinks that we're white supremacists because we wear that shirt, it's even worse when they think that they're going to be victimized by someone wearing that garment, which is completely absurd, could not be more untrue, right? That is, I don't want someone scared of me for no reason, right? So it's really, really messed up that that type of narrative gets pushed. And that's why the cancel culture aspect of, oh, let's shut down the boogaloo tags and let's Let's have the media label these people as white supremacists. Well, well, who said that? Right? Yeah, that's so a good question. Who said that? Okay, did, did some Boogaloo leader, I'm the leader of the Boogalooians, and I came out and I said, oh, well, we hate black people. No. Did someone come out and say that? No, the media said that. Not me or not anyone else, right? So did someone in a Hawaiian shirt go and take a black person and lynch them or hurt them or, or commit a crime against them? And and could you prove that that was a racially driven altercation by some Hawaiian shirt wearing weirdo, right? That's just not the case. I don't think it ever happened. That's just not the case. Now, yeah. now I will mention that it, it, it is important, I believe, to, to sort of mention here that uh, there's always going to be outliers in every single situation, right? Okay, so just like the left, all right, they say, oh, well, BLM is peaceful, and all we want to do is protest police brutality. 
All right, hoorah. Hoorah. Whatever. All right, then it turned into, oh, well, those people over there looting and rioting, that's not, that's not BLM. Yeah, that's, that's not, not us. What, that's not That's us. not our people. That's not yeah. what we represent. We're, we're peaceful, right? That's not us. So just like the BLM people don't want to be associated with the few crazies over there doing the stupid stuff, right? That's not them. And, that, and oh, they don't represent me. That, that doesn't represent the, the totality of what we're trying to accomplish. Hoorah. All right, that's on you. But just because two guys who had some boogaloo memes on their Facebook page or Instagram page or whatever went and committed a crime, that doesn't mean that every single person that wears a Hawaiian shirt is hell-bent on committing the same crime that only those two guys committed. Right. My God, how, how much of a bunch of weenies could you possibly be? Well, it just goes to show you the the to the level of uh, virtue signaling and social justice warriors the media is. So they'll let that slide. When, when the protesting and rioting, or protesting is fine, when the rioting and looting started taking place, they immediately did not identify or, right. or associate those looters and rioters with BLM. Or when there was Antifa mixed in with the BLM uh, protests and they were actually um, uh, agitating and throwing bricks and stuff, they didn't say, oh, these guys are, are not BLM. They just kind of let it go. Then you have a couple of guys, literally, if they're going to quote the quote it as an entire movement, like one or two guys that happened, I don't even know the whole story. If that was the case, how can they classify everybody wearing Hawaiian shirts off of the actions of two people, yet they ignore all of the looting and all of the writing and not associate that with an entire actual movement. Right. It yeah. just it blows me away. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Oh, well, when we say, oh, well, BLM is not a terrorist organization, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't burn down that building. We wouldn't loot and riot and do all this. So the minute they say, oh, we wouldn't do that, we all of a sudden go, oh, that's right. They're peaceful. They would never do that. It's just mm-hmm. the assumption there, <laughs> the right. assumptions in place that they could never do any wrong because they're oppressed and they're this and they're that. And look, I don't want to undervalue or, or devalue uh, the, the importance of their argument. I, I am an American, and all I care about is my country and the people in it. And if there are people that feel that they that they you know hate the idea of police brutality that they feel that they're being targeted by the police or that whatever the the instance may be whatever the gripe or complaint may be if it transcends barriers and gets enough people involved and they feel that they need to uh protest and demand change i'm all for that like i'm all for peaceful protests i'm all for people you know doing their civic duty in that regard i'm i'm not saying that i discredit or 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 completely just um you know, like cancel culture would do, that I would completely just say, oh, well, your point is just invalid because I simply disagree. No, we can disagree and still be friends. I'm not saying that uh, that it's invalid or, or, or not worth doing. All I'm saying is, is if BLM or Antifa or Chaz or any of these weirdos or whatever doing their thing, these Marxists and socialists, if they are given a podium to spread their message on, then free people who care about liberty and care about our country and care about making us a better place as a family, we ought to, at a minimum, be given at least the same opportunity. And that's what it is. There is they, they are reducing the amount of opportunities 
for people like us to express our concern about the health and prosperity of our country as a whole. I don't give a damn about Democrat, Republican, black, white, Jew, Christian, gay, straight. None. I don't give a damn about any of that. Non-binary. <laughs> I, I care about America. I care about the totality of what we are as a nation, this mixing pot of our culture and we you know we got to get along and that's I care about everybody's well-being. I want everyone to be happy. And what a strange concept for right. for for you to just simply want your country to be happy. And, wow, what a weird concept. And I think that's one of the major differences between um understanding freedom is that BLM as an organization I have no problem with Yes, they're a Marxist organization, and they, two of the, the leaders are um, self-confessed, uh, trained Marxists. Honestly, if they want to be a Marxist, there's nothing wrong with that. Our, you can be a Marxist or a socialist organization in America. That's absolutely fine. The problem is when you try to force that onto me, which is I, I am not a Marxist or socialist or a democratic socialist, as they've even coined uh, a lot of a lot of different organizations. So the difference is, I believe in freedom. You can do what you want over there, but don't move into my house and try to make me and force me to be like you. I have the freedom to do what I want. So, you know, BLM as a movement, guys, do what you want to do. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not down with the looting and rioting, and you understand that, they've already said that's not part of the organization. That was something separate. Good for them. You know, they've taken ownership of that and said those guys are not with us. Now, that what the media does with that, if you know they didn't correctly call out and say those are not BLM, that's uh, unfortunate that they didn't they didn't take the same responsibility as a media organization and label that um but at the same time they have to do a better job of also not lumping in a very small subset group of people that happen to wear hawaiian shirts into a i guess creating a national identity for Honestly, the quote-unquote boogaloo movement. Honestly, I feel a, a huge tragedy to the situation. I'm going to catch some flack for this. I don't give a damn. Okay. One of the huge tragedies of this situation is that I'm not even going to doubt that the BLM movement didn't start out with honorable intentions, but it got hijacked by dissenters and people that want to spread hate and, and, and death and I would, misery I would agree with that. amongst our country, right? You know, I, I think the core idea of what it started as was a sound thing that probably had basis in what a lot of minorities wanted, right? But I think that now they've gone so far uh, off of that track, and they've allowed these people to sort of, um, I guess, what would you call it, uh, infiltrate uh, the meaning of what, what they're trying to accomplish. So... I guess what I'll do is I'll look in the mirror here and say, okay, well, if I'm being labeled as this Boogalooian or whatever the case may be, oh, I'm some white supremacist Boogalooian. So if a couple of dudes committed a crime and did something, and now all of a sudden, oh, because two people did something, now all of you who wear a Hawaiian T-shirt are a racist asshole. Okay, okay. so if that were the case, gosh, how, how, how uh, on guard do I have to be if two people are going to represent what, Thousands of people share meme lore related to it. 
it goes to show how powerful social media is as a tool that, so wait a minute, all you people say, oh, you're wasting time on social media, you you shouldn't be wasting your time uh, interacting with these people you don't even know and doing all of this. I'll tell you what, for being a waste of time, they sure are worried about it. Yes, they are. The media tries to constantly uh, discredit people like me all the time. But you know what? What I find to be really funny about the way that I look at the world and the way that we approach what we do as not only a YouTube channel, but this as a podcast, is that we actually aren't the experts. We aren't a talking head. We aren't an edit. We don't have an editorial backbone that says, oh, you have to say this. You have to say that. Oh, you said that. Edit that out. No, no. We are just people. We are average dudes. And, uh, and and gals here at the channel, we're on Iraq veteran. But thing is, you know, uh, when you are an average person and you you try to approach things from a standpoint of what average people go through, they don't like that, and they certainly don't want you being a voice that replaces their indoctrination that they're trying to push onto society. Uh, that is the biggest issue: is when a guy that looks like me, okay, I'm a white dude, when a guy that looks like me says. Hey, black community, you should probably arm yourselves. You should probably get some training. I'm not threatening you when I say that. I'm trying to empower you. I want you to protect your families and your homes. Because you know what, damn it, you're an American. You know what I mean? That's all I care about. You're an American. I don't care what color you are. And the mainstream media and all of these divisive politicians that are trying to create division, they hate that idea. They hate... A guy like me telling someone like them, hey, Second Amendment applies to you too. It's not a discretional thing that only applies to a certain group of people. You know what I mean? Like we've, from day one, if you look back at our older YouTube videos, we have always told the black community to arm themselves and train themselves and be safe and protect themselves and pursue happiness. Be happy. Protect yourself. Do your thing. You do you. Right. We've never tried to discourage anybody from being an individual and being a free thinker. Well, I think that sense of empowerment helps out a lot of a lot of different people. And if you look at it as a cultural thing, uh, I'm going to use um, you know entrance exams to universities as a as a segue. If you start looking at you know things test scores that you have to get into the Ivy League schools. Um, you know, it's no easy way to, to kind of go into it, but you have, uh, when you apply to a university, I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible. Oh, screw that. I know, right? <laughs> say what you need um, to say, man. <laughs> when you apply to a university, especially an Ivy League university, it's a multiple uh, step process. So it's not like, you know, you're going to a, a regular university. You have to write a long form essay. You have to provide them. You're fighting for that spot. You're saying, Hey, I deserve to go to this school and this is why. So you have to write an essay. You have to give them reasons why you deserve to be there. You have to score X amount on a placement exam, also known as the SATs. Now you also have to give them your race, not your slash nationality, Traditionally, and it's proven, there's different 
weighted scores for different races. So when you fill that bubble in, you have to score automatically what that race or nationality has to score to get into that university. And this is proven. Asians, and Asians are not just your typical Asian. When you think Asian, you think, you know, you know, Korea, I China, Korean. Japan. Yeah. But that also includes <laughs> India, Pakistan. So all of those countries are part of Asia. So if you are from India or from Pakistan, you're filling in the Asian bubble. People don't think about that. So when, when you are filling in that Asian bubble, you have to score higher, 1.5 times higher to get in, to be qualified to get into that university. So some people would say, well, that is uh, not racist. The technical term would be prejudice because you're using race as uh, a differentiator. But what really happens? You don't see any other country saying, well, that's prejudice. I don't think I should have to score that high. They just do it. They score higher and they get in. And what happens? They typically perform better because of the standard that was set to get in. Yes, it is prejudice. And a lot of those universities are catching a lot of flack for that, but they also have a higher completion rate, even over white. So when you start looking at, you know, white students that are getting in, they don't have to score as high. They're also not, uh, the completion rate for those aren't as high as Asians. So in a sense, you could complain and say, oh, it's, it's not fair. Or you can just accept the standard, exceed the standard, and be, be successful. I agree. Well, we'll end today's podcast. I, wanna, I just want to say something. I'll probably catch the flack, but you know what? I don't care. I'm going to catch flack too. That's fine. I don't care if I catch flack for saying this. Okay. <laughs> that seems to be the reoccurring theme in this, mm-hmm. uh, in this podcast. Okay. I believe that people are not born. Uh, people don't come out of the womb hating someone. They're taught that. Okay, racism is a taught behavior. It is taught. That's the bottom line. Someone told that person to hate that person, and they were indoctrinated and, and taught that you have to hate someone for some trivial reason or whatever. I believe that that racism is taught. Okay, you're not born racist. That's true. So that that's a very distinctive part of it you know I'll, I'll i've mentioned this in a few other podcasts but i'll mention it in this one too you know i've um i grew up in the in metro area of atlanta you know not quite inner cities but metro metro atlanta and i went to a primarily black school okay you know i was a minority no problem i mean i did fine you know did my thing but here's the thing that i i just want to plant in the back of people's minds right is that all of these inner city kids, right? White, black, Asian, uh, Hispanic, Latino, whatever, okay? Whatever race you are is irrelevant. The inner city kids whose parents are in a lot of positions where maybe they don't have a ton of money to send them to after-school programs, or, you know, or maybe there's not a strong mother-father relationship in a household. You know, maybe mom and dad are divorced, or maybe they never got married in the first place, and maybe there's just this this really odd and uncomfortable situation at home. And I get that. I understand how it is to grow up in a household with no father because that's how I grew up. My dad wasn't around. I've never even seen my parents in the same room before. 
But I just want to end this podcast by saying that there are young kids in the inner cities that might be the next Einstein, might be the next Mozart, might be the next Michael Jordan, and you don't know that unless the opportunity is there for them to, to, to take that path if their brilliance and work ethic allows them to do that, gives them the, the drive to do that. So to kind of piggyback on what you mentioned about the universities and that skewed system there is uh, I think that strong drive and intelligence and, uh, and, and good intuition in terms of you know having a good skill set, some people are just gifted. Right. That's true. I want the gifted people to be where the gifted people need to be. Not me, but some people. Well, well right. <laughs> right. But but what I mean is is if someone has a disposition to being good at something, then gosh, let them pursue it. Like we as a country should should lift up our intelligent people within our community no matter who they are. Right. Right? You know, and uh one one of my uh I don't want to say heroes because that's a really, really broad term. But uh, a person that I look up to a heck of a lot is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, I love Neil Tyson. He's a, a great dude because he is like the quintessential American story of a kid coming up from the inner cities and now, you know, astrophysicist. I mean, how cool of a story is that? Great. You know, and, guys and, like Thomas Sowell yep. who had this Marxist revelation at a young age. You know, they were turning towards the Marxist end. But then took the red pull and realized, hey, you know, this is the reality. These are the facts. This is the data, right? Guys like Thomas Sowell, Dr. Sowell, are super, super important people to follow. I mean, he just turned 90 earlier this week. 90 years old. Years of experience conducting uh, 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 studies back in the 70s. So you're talking, that's your 50 years of data in started conducting you know studies back in the 70s on all of these facts and statistics and things and how they can be skewered uh, to drive a certain narrative. But the facts are what they are. And a lot of Sowell's work, I believe, is extremely important, dare I say, uh, almost Nobel Prize worthy. Like, yeah, I mean, I he agree. should be given a Presidential Medal of Freedom. I mean, that guy is super important for furthering the... the uh, I guess you would say just the push for reason. You know, once you separate all the crap out, mm -hmm. the things that people drive as a detractor to separate us become irrelevant, and the facts are what they are. You know, when where the rubber meets the road, it's just the facts. So I think that we as a society need to push for being in a place where we can really approach this from a factual standpoint and really – Think truly objectively and, and make sound decisions and do our research. Yep, absolutely. I think you nailed it. Unfortunately, um, he will never get that Nobel Prize because the 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 information that he's uh, uncovered or the uh, all the studies that he's conducted, uh, they the media and a lot of different organizations would like to have that gone because it's very thought provoking. It's uh, and it presents a lot of different thought experiments that you can conduct to poke holes in different narratives and really gives you a map to where uh, the narrative can be driven. So it's it's almost like that's the information that the public needs to see, but they don't want you to see it. So they're, so they're definitely not going to go out of their way to, to, to provide you with that information. Well, I guess what I'll say is that the real people know. Yes. 
the 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 people that are free thinkers in this country they know and they get it and they respect and understand what people like him are doing and uh there's plenty of people like him but in my opinion he's one of the most important people i mean he's one of the great thinkers of our time so anyway um I hope you guys understand where we're coming from on this particular podcast. Maybe it shed some light on uh, the overall idea of just how absurd it is for these uh, these media types to shove this boogaloo term into such a dark corner. I feel it's unmerited, dare I say slanderous, and uh, and just downright dishonest and disingenuous. It's, just, it's not Agreed. a genuine attitude it's not an attitude or a or a viewpoint that comes from logic or respect it just comes purely from cancel culture and that is uh that's my story and i'm sticking to it <laughs> no that that is the story there is no boogaloo movement guys yep. myth dispelled yeah it's dispelled guys uh have a great day we really appreciate the support uh guys go over to ballistic inc and pick yourself up a t-shirt or a piece of uh, cool merch uh, all the funds that we earn go right back into supporting our podcast. If you buy on the Iraq Veteran site, obviously those funds uh, support the Iraq Veteran YouTube channel. But any content creator you support over on Ballistic Inc., uh, those funds go directly to support that content creator. Okay, So it's a great way to support your favorite creators, uh, to fight the social media cens- censorship, and to support veteran-owned and operated businesses. Guys, have yourselves a wonderful day. Thank you yet again, and we'll see you next Friday. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.